It's been uh, two seconds since we've probably been on the air. Uh, we just did the Captain Marvel podcast, and we had some other things to talk about that would have been our, our usual podcast. We did a little standalone for Captain Marvel, so that was fun. Holler! Uh, but this is our regularly scheduled podcast. How you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm good. So... Can I ask you something, Andre? Sure. Why are you making a pot of coffee at 10 o'clock at night? Well, you see. Um, no, it's just something I like to do. You do. It doesn't like keep you up all night or does it help not really. you stay up all night? No, not really. I mean, like, it's kind of the, the Portuguese in me because we, like, proper Portuguese people drink espressos like seven times a day. Oh normally after meals and like after they get up from their naps and like <laughs> um i just like to drink it like after um after dinner or like if i'm working on something i just like to have it on hand oh that's so, cool that's kind of yeah. the way i used to be then then you get older and then caffeine like will crunk you up well when you mentioned <laughs> coffee i was like oh man that sounds really good right now It'd be like a hot a hot coffee but then i think yeah. it would keep me up yeah it, well it would keep me up you'd be I'm on like, the roof I'm like, oh, I gotta go take some Nyquil or something. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Let's not. Let's not go to Elvis <laughs> Get tonight. Some decaf. Yeah, well, and and do we yeah. have? No, I don't think we have any decaf left. You can run to the store. There's one down at the corner. If you like, want to have some decaf coffee. Uh, so when you're drinking the coffee, do you put your hands in the waistband of your pants? Is that like a Something that you do. I just I just saw a bunch of when you were saying like y'all drank coffee all day long. I just saw a bunch of Portuguese dudes just standing with their hand in the pants going, Oh, the government, oh the soccer. And all of a sudden you're French. I don't know why. <laughs> oh my god. Um no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so sorry, um, you Portuguese people. I'm <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> um <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't anything. I don't mean it as an insult. I'm just I'm this uninformed no, about the Portuguese. <laughs> it's it's just an interesting outsider perspective. I think. <laughs> I just when I see when I just think of people drinking coffee, I just think the uh, coffee cups are small because it's yes. espresso. Well, this is are, just like a proper coffee. Like we yeah, our espressos are yeah. like in like little yeah yeah. I just I just think of men sitting around like, you know, having like the beads in their hand, you know, praying over something and playing card <laughs> games and talking about sports and some of them had their hand in the band of their pants. I you know, I, I am I get my uh my views of the world to the films I've seen. So I feel like you guys are just uh, most of the people in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I'm <laughs> just is, is it like, also terrible. It depends. At, I'm terrible at geography. It depends too. if you're like if you're like a traditional straight Portuguese man, then yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but I don't know any gay Portuguese people, so I don't you, know like oh, like is oh, it like Malaysia it? that like there's no gay people there? Uh, no, there there is. I just haven't met any. Oh, there so. you go. I haven't been in, to Portugal since like 2004 or five. Do you I was like uh, seven? Would you be able to keep up? Like that? You've talked. We've talked about this before. You talk. You speak a little Portuguese with your grandmother, right? Yeah, a little bit enough to get by. Yeah, but but, but most of Portugal, like most of Europe, has already adopted English. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. If I ever did go back, I could probably get by to someone with someone who didn't. Um. But yeah, I'd love to go back there one day. 
My cousin's fluent. She's married to a, a dude. She spoke Portuguese. She's uh, she actually actually is a translator a lot of times for the community down in San Diego. So kind of proud of her for that. Me, I don't really understand Spanish. I can maybe order a combo at Taco <laughs> Bell, and then I'm kind of lost. And you would think living out here, I should learn Spanish. But then just when I got this urge to truly embrace Spanish and learn it because I can speak it in so many places, they started calling the ice on people. So I might hold off for another <laughs> maybe a couple of years, possibly. Um, some would say five years if you're, if you're, you know, a pessimist. Maybe then I'll, you know, <clears throat> maybe that'll be the time when uh, Kamala Harris is president. I can speak Spanish openly. Um oh. Spilled my entire cup. Okay. <laughs> See, speaking of coffee, <laughs> it's now in your crotch, and <laughs> I'm having a um, I'm having the white people's beverage. I guess it's not like we we get these huge tubs for like four dollars from Smart and Final of my favorite drinks, like chai lattes. I will go broke drinking chai lattes at <laughs> coffee houses, but I just think I can't. There's six dollars a pop in my neighborhood. I can't do that. Like we don't smoke anymore, and we can't do that. Like I was, I, I, what, 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 how do we make our? How do we survive when we smoked a pack a day? We drank every day, yeah, two packs, like thirty dollars yeah. a day on just that, and then my coffee habit alone. Like I'm surprised we're not doing this podcast under a bridge right now. <laughs> so I found a place. I don't I, even want to tell you what our coffee costs here. Oh God, no! Tell me so I can be irate. <laughs> You always spit your coffee out. If it's not Starbucks, uh-huh. like you could probably get like a normal size, like this size for like three fifty. Shut up! <laughs> fuck off! Just fuck yeah. off! <laughs> fuck off with your reasonable prices. Yeah, so that's like six bucks for like a medium, and then what they're calling a medium, I call a small. So I had to find a solution. So we get this big tub of like powdered chai mix that restaurants use, right? Because Martin Final used to be just for like restaurants, and I make my coffee out of that. Like I have my little cup, you know, mm. of, like well, not little. It's so it's this, but this is my second flavor. This is the French vanilla, and it's not really vanilla at all. It's like mocha, but this, it's mislabeled, and, and everybody's too lazy at this company <laughs> to. And I don't really like mocha, but I'm I'm just way too much of a skin flint. To like it was like irregular. I don't really I don't really like flavored coffee. Yeah, I don't either. Like I'm, I'm gonna yeah. drink it though because I I'm, <laughs> I mistakenly got it and it's paid for and you can't return food, so I'm drinking this shit. It's awesome. <laughs> I do like a little cinnamon on my macchiatos, like maybe a little yeah. caramel, but like no. I won't go like full like French vanilla or anything. No, no, I can't do that either. Or those little like those flavored packets you get like Seven Eleven to put in your coffee. Like it's like it's like putting pants on a dead body it's just just doesn't work that coffee is so horrible and then you pour in hazelnut i'm like what the fuck it's disgusting like i don't yeah i don't i don't use creamer for my coffee either i just use like milk like straight milk yeah Um, better off so yeah i'm kind of like at a loss when i'm like on the road and like want coffee that's not from starbucks uh oh i see i see what's happening um, okay, in the news, real quick, we just want to talk about some news items. So Manafort, uh, we, what we learned from uh, Manafort is that you can go off and just do some pretty egregious things and sell your country down the river and make, I don't know, millions and millions of dollars and collude with uh, Russia and, you know, all, all sort of things. And then you just, you just do four years. 
Well, they said there's yeah. no, there was no proof of collusion. Right. So whatever that. Uh, conspiracy, being a dirty damn dog, uh, being a... He would be the guy that, if this was the 80s or the 90s, you know, this would be the guy that your hero would be beating their ass <laughs> in a movie. But in the here and now of 2019 and the upside down world that we're living in, um, he's getting four years because, or at least from this judge, because the judge was like super ultra right. Uh, I don't know if he was confirmed to be a MAGA bro, but I mean, right. And so he gives this dude the recommendation. The recommended sentence was 19 to what, 24 years. Yeah. And he gives home duder four. Well, cause he said, and they said it, <clears throat> Joe said it on SNL, the weekend update. He was like, he said that the, the judge said that he had, you know, essentially like, you know, no record or had been living like a clean life. An otherwise or, blameless life. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, but. He's up for another charge. Yeah. yeah. Next week he's going to be charged for um, trying to cover up the thing that he's on for this week. Right. While after he was, you know, already charged for this thing. And it's like, come on now. Then meanwhile, there's a, a bunch of black men <laughs> serving like 19 to 20 to life for some marijuana. We, yeah. Yeah. It's great. We love justice disparity. Yeah. I don't we love that. And he's probably um, going to do his time in like basically um a subpar day spa. So great. And probably the most he'll get out of the second uh, sentencing is what ten years. Well, the max is ten years for the, so the, the yeah, sentencing the, yeah. upcoming this week. Can you censure a judge? Can someone go after this judge and say, "What up, homeschool? Like, why?" I don't know. Can somebody do that? I feel like somebody should do that. But if if you know if they give him the if they give him the ten years on this next one, that's fourteen years. He's seventy. That means eighty four. By the time he's. I feel out. like I feel like these four years are going to mess up Manafort. He's just not. I don't. He doesn't look like a man who could could really withstand a steady, a sturdy wind. So, <laughs> I feel like him yeah, going. He, he to, came into the courtroom in a wheelchair. Oh well, we know what that was about. A lot of people limp into courthouses when they're in trouble. Did you guys see Michael Jackson go to his trial? Anyway, we're gonna go. We're gonna get to that in a minute. So then the other the the crazy news. I don't know where I've been. Normally I keep on top of these things, but. Three or four months ago, I guess the story was floating around about Frankie Shaw, and I didn't know this was going on. Frankie Shaw, uh, you know, showrunner over there at Showtime for her show Smilf, she, they're not redoing the series. This is, an, uh, this is a Globe-nominated, much-heralded series. And the, as the story goes, the allegations are that Frankie runs uh, a completely unprofessional set and has put some actors in some really dicey situations with nudity clauses. And then there's a whole other element to uh, the charges against, or the allegations against her about, you know, not giving proper credits. And some of them are actually cut along um, racial lines. What the fuck? Yeah, that sort of, when you mentioned that last week, I was like, what? Are you serious? I don't, I mean, it's not that. Look, I'm the first person to get in line when white women mess up and go, Becky, stop it. But this was Frankie as I thought she was not. I thought she was in this evolved person. Yeah, I thought she was when one she of the good When she comes to the people. streets, you know, she's like, 
regular person like and that's why i think we were all cheering her on because she came from nothing and now she's doing this thing and the show is kind of a, loosely about her although season two has been unhinged it's been hard to follow i kind of i haven't enjoyed it as much as uh, season one but i'm like it's still there's still some good stuff there there's still some really good storytelling kind of happening here and there but i was it's one of those things where you're like Damn. And you said it's multiple sources are saying. Yeah, a lot of the crew. It's not just one or two people, which is bad enough. It's And it's a pretty female-driven show. There's a lot of women in, in key positions. And so probably one of the most disturbing things is that she didn't honor the nudity clause appropriately, according to Samara Weaving, um, sparking her to leave the show. 45 minutes before a nude scene, she's told, like, the, the game has changed. And and the allegation goes that she went into Samara's um, dressing room and pulled her own top off and said, I, I have no problem doing it. And see, here's – it's and, and the script, he weighed in on this later and said, you know, when actors don't feel safe, and this person clearly didn't feel safe and said this out loud, that alone right there, especially right now in the Me Too generation, the Me Too era, all that kind of stuff, you you want to be on your toes. mm so I don't, it just felt, I thought it was like completely fake news because it's just, it feels like something completely opposite of what Frankie Shaw would do. Or yeah, or that, you know, what I thought, you know, she represented, you know. Yeah, one crew member was quoted as calling her a fake feminist. Um, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. It just, it really, it trips me out because... I mean, we we're all rooting for her. And again, you know, people fuck up. She she did say on Seth Meyers a few months back, I didn't see this. She was just trying to defend her own actions in a way by saying, you know, well, I think Seth said there is no management uh, course for show running. But then one of the articles I was reading pointed out that the WGA uh, makes you attend showrunner training. So you, what are you getting taught in that class? Surely you're you are being made aware by a network of protocols I mean, you have to be told about these things because it's a business. You know, you're not showing up to play on the beach. I mean, this is literally a business. It's show business. It's not show fun. It's not show up when you want to. It's not show your tits. It's there's a protocol and there's laws, especially in California. We've got some pretty strict laws about how to behave on a set. And they, they even translate in some cases to other states. So I don't know. And then the whole credits thing is alarming. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, these are just like, and these are like real, like these are like bad character problems. This is that means that you've got you're you have a you're a bad person. Well, when you do shit like this, well, we all do bad stuff. We all have bad parts to us. I mean, not nobody's a pure piece of fruit. Yeah, nobody's perfect. But I mean, like, that's just. Because you know, like when when you work with someone who is difficult to work with. Oh yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It's just like oh, there's, there's people man, you you're and a I would there's you and I there's people you and I would never work with again. Yeah. That we worked on their sets and and I've been on a, a couple of all female sets and that isn't necessarily like the funnest thing either. I mean, I'm not saying it's just because of the women, but the two or three that I've worked on, a lot of the people were just power tripping. So I don't. I don't think it's always just directly, if you want to know about the feminine agenda, here you go, here's some tea, that, you know, some women are people, and people can be assholes, and a lot of people in power in this business where HR is not there on set, especially if you're on a non-union show, like I was a couple of times, people can do what they want, so... Mm. 
there there's a couple of people that I will I see their name and I'm like I dip on that. And if I'm asked, somebody calls me up for recommendation and they want to know the the truth, I'll go, yeah, I don't, mm no. Yeah, I mean, like... But to think of her in that way, just... And I don't know her. I've never worked with her, but I'm just saying, yeah. You know, protocol, you know, is something that I I really just... I live on that because it it makes the day go... The way it should. Well, you're at work. Yeah, and that you know. So and, when people show up stoned or high, yeah. or the safe is un, and the, if the set is unsafe, and they make you drive too long hours to get there, and they, or they, you leave set at eleven, and you got to go a three hour drive, and no one's providing a hotel room. Like this is you're going to work. Yeah, and there's there's things that can happen where if you if you don't follow protocol in certain instances or situations, people can actually lose their lives. Sure, it's happened on a set, and it's happened. And it continues to happen. Sarah Jones, yeah. Uh, peace and love, Sarah Jones. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I just kind of, you know, we kind of became aware of Frankie because of Mr. Robot, tracked with her career from there. Sam Ismail has been like a mentor to her and helping her along the way. I haven't read anything that he said or, or I don't know if he'll comment on it. I mean, they're all busy doing the show, but yeah. It's one of those we're like, Damn. Well, and, and, and hopefully she's learned and she'll learn from her mistakes. I think she has apologized from what I can tell. And people fall down, you know, and they can get back up again. And, and hopefully she's apologized to, to the people around her and can move on in the world. And hopefully this doesn't totally ruin her career unless she's just a total shithead. And then maybe this was fate. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I want to hope that she's not yeah. a douchebag. I hope she's not either. I don't want her to be. Don't be a douchebag, Reggae. Don't be a douchebag, Reggae. <laughs> Please, I love you so much. Uh, this is kind of the theme before we're going. So I want to <laughs> yeah. catch you up on our Gotham watch. Um, yes. I, I have to say, okay, before I get to how I feel about the show, I want to explain how I felt trying to watch the show. Now, here's the thing. I was under the weather for a couple of days, and you were almost getting sick. So both of us found ourselves very droopy and unable to kind of do much of anything else. So I decided to barnacle myself to the couch and just get, you know, hammer through Gotham. And then it became, because I have this kind of nature, it became obsessive, like when I had to chunk down four seasons of teen wolf in a weekend <laughs> which is not humanly possible without some matrix I just, shit anytime you mention it i just have that visual of you standing in front of the tv like, yeah i was just standing there going <laughs> like tilting back and forth so it, this wasn't that so much as i was just trying to get through it but i felt like i can't let andre down i have to know this stuff I have to track with I this. mean, if you if you would have told me that you weren't feeling it, I would have been fine. No, no. I think the first season was like, okay, I wasn't in love with it. Mm-hmm. Second season was a little bit better, and I, the things were starting to make sense, and I had found my faves. I was like, I loved uh, Ed 
And I love Oswald. You know, those are emerged as my two favorites, and those were my fun. But but season three, I was like, oh, it's on. I love yeah. the show. They hit their stride. Everything's amazing. It's hilarious. Everybody's being very comic booky more than they were before because I think they were trying to play it a little bit too straight. Season one, mm-hmm. or maybe I just saw it through that filter. By season three, like everybody's in it, and the costumes and the sound and everything was nice and there. And then the top of uh, season four, and you warned me, I was just like, "Ooh, <laughs> this is where I felt like I'm standing in front of the TV, going, okay." <laughs> what's up and then it's like they saved all of their juice for the end of season four because now we're getting into who everybody will eventually become you can see all of their destinies on the horizon and everyone's sort of stepping into their you know their fates so that yeah. was really exciting and very fun and i'm like great so this show is going to go on for another three four five years and where we like it's you know batman and you know, Batman in his 20s trying to date, you know, Batman and Jim, you know, trying to rule, you know, paperwork and politics. I thought this is where we're going. And then I then I find out that this, the show's been canceled and they're trying to shove 24 uh, episodes into 10 in season five. I wonder why they didn't give them the 22 that they nor- or the 21 that they normally do. It At was least. it was the something to do with viewership. It was mainly viewership. I think I think the first half of uh, season four turned off some people. Yeah, um, I can see that. Because I mean, uh, I mean, like, okay, because like I told you, like season three is like it. It is like it. that is yeah. like that is like the golden era of gotham everything is so much better the plot the music was noticeably better yeah just it was just everything was just great um i think the reason for i'm gonna call it for a because they do feel like two very different i agree but like the first like 12 episodes or 11 episodes or something um i think where they fell short is maybe like reintroducing more of that mafia stuff because i i really don't think that's where the show excels at right that's what season one was it was like the whole mafia conflict which well, is a I very was... real conflict in the comics which makes sense for them to go there but well i also thought i was having a flashback a little ptsd because crystal reed shows up and i'm like did I just <laughs> did I just slip into like a rabbit hole and I'm watching yeah. Teen Wolf again? What the fuck is going on? And so, and then she started to look like AOC to me again. I was kind of <laughs> running a low grade fever for a lot of season four, so I enjoyed it. I, I appreciate the characters. They seem like old friends to me now. Um, I liked the playfulness of the show. I like the unexpected performances like um, Drew Powell, who plays Butch. He's probably one of my favorites. I just love that he just, they kept giving him stuff. And he was just really fun to, to spend time with. You know, and I love me some Marina. I love her. You know, whatever she do. I'm like, I'm here for you, girl. And you can tell, like, she, she has uh, kids with Ben. <laughs> She's got a, you know step out and do that and then go be in Deadpool and then she comes back. So like when they, they come back around again, I like that nobody's dead. I like that sort of playfulness thing. I love that we come back around again with characters. 
mm-hmm. I loved it because it gives everybody a chance to like I don't know. Well, again, it's the it's the essence of comic books. It's like the golden right. rule. Like no one uh, no one stays dead. Right. Right. And they say as much in the show. Like oh, no one stays dead in this town. And I I like that the the writers don't use it as a cheap trick, but a way to sort of it was it's a device to sort of reinvent the character and and provide them with new sort of conflicts to overcome. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple yeah. times though. I mean, I feel like again, like characters that I wanted to see like spread out and mature got lumped together but and but even though they're cool i feel like they like putting tabitha and selena in each other's sphere i'm like this is cool you know this is gonna be like this badass duo but i felt like the writing was just clumping them together so we could have scenes together so we could schedule these days and i'm like what what's happening so there was a little bit of ham-handedness with the storyline in the beginning of season four out of a really strong season three where we're just kind of, I don't know. I felt like we were dosy doing up to our real storytelling, which was those last several episodes. I didn't hate yeah. it. I didn't hate it, but I did. Yeah, the mafia stuff. I didn't care about it. Um, I was also Jim seems to hook up with everything. What are we doing? What's happening? <laughs> Stop! He doesn't have to knock boots with all the girls. This is not like an HBO show. He can just be single. <laughs> And working on himself, you know, doesn't have to he be needs like to do that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need to like sew in his lips to like crystal. He doesn't need to be doing that. I was just like, what's happening? Why? But I mean, like, can you blame her? Can you blame her? I mean, I can't uh, <laughs> blame her at all. But like, you know, like, go jogging, Jim. They <laughs> go jogging. I oh, yeah, they 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 hit a blip in four A. But I really think okay, this is where we're gonna get into spoilers. So if you haven't watched Gotham. Skip ahead a couple minutes. I want to ask you about two big things that I've kind of already asked you about in, in text, but I also want to get Ian's like perspective on it as well. Um, one, the Oswald and uh, Ed dynamic and the revelation. What do you feel about that? Don't be mad. Okay. <laughs> but what I was championing in Gotham for the longest time was that they let things happen. We'll get to the observation that you made, but I'm talking about relationships, Tabitha Mm -hmm. and Barbara together. Sort of felt like they were, but then all of a sudden Tabitha's with Butch. What, what's happening? Ed Oswald. We're queer baiting, I feel like. There's some queer baiting that happened that I didn't really appreciate. Hmm. I mean, I love me a little, you know, dancing around things, but Ed never really comes back around to, he never really falls for Oswald. Does he? Yeah, Did I miss I, that? I sort of got that sense too. Like it was still, it was always a, sort of a one way One sided thing. And then, you know, I don't know. I felt, I don't know. I wanted something to come out of that. And they're like, oh, we're going to be partners. They're standing there at the pier for the third time. And he goes, I think. And I'm like, here we go. And they're like, we should be partners. I'm like. I think they make better partners in crime. But then couldn't they just have the relationship and then not work out? Lesbians do it all the time. So they have the relationship. It doesn't work out. But they're still partners in crime. All the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they got right up to the door of it. And is it because it's on Fox? Will people clutch pearls? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good point. I mean, when it when it first happened, I was like, okay, we go in there. You know, yeah. when Oswald was like, I'm going to tell Ed about my feelings. But um, the fact that it wasn't reciprocated, I mean, I don't know. Like, it certainly adds... I mean, I'm looking at it in the context of, like, season five. Um, Which I have no idea have what's going awesome on. together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't find the first four episodes anywhere. That's, right. uh, that's, that's, that's dumb. Th- oh, sorry. That's the thing. It's like with with penguin it's like he has this love interest with ed and then after that's done it, there's nobody else yeah and then ed is up it's and not then, like you yeah. know like he doesn't move on to go like okay now there's well, another yeah but that's that's the thing though that the point i i think ed rejecting oswald started a sort of new path for for oswald because he says right before he freezes him that I want you around as a constant reminder to never let love weaken me again or something like that. Yeah, but so, see, that's, that's kind of also a little bit homophobic. It's, and it's kind of like that friendship thing, too, when he has with the little kid. He's like, you know, what is it? It's like, don't ever have friends. We're, we're you know, we're yeah. conspirators now. But then now they're friends. It's just, I feel like, I just feel like we're still in the gay people can't have love trope. We're going to give him a stabby, stabby, kill, kill son. Awesome. Progress. He gets to be a daddy <laughs> to a little psycho. That was a kind of a cute thing. I enjoyed that. Also love the pig, too. Love pig. We'll get into the pig. But what I was just like, okay, why do y'all do this? They do this in all, these queer, all this queer baiting that happens on these shows where we don't want to piss anybody off. So we want to stay on here. I mean, it's good business. I understand. Because if you commit to it, then, you know... But you got canceled anyway, so why didn't you just... Maybe they are. Maybe they're going to kiss in the series finale. I don't know. But Ed is clearly into ladies. Yeah, because, you know, he... Doesn't he... Which is fine. I'm not not trying to head shame anybody. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a show that I thought was going in another direction and it just did the same old crap that I've seen happen in other shows. And it was very disappointing because even if it only lasted like three episodes of them going to ikea and like you know matching sweater vests or whatever those two weirdos would do i mean it would be like really funny and then just have it not work out like it just it would be okay if it still ended up like he goes with the marina or or here's a twist maybe the 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 one that's deemed the lesser attractive one ends up having more self-confidence in the relationship and ends up like breaking up with the other guy because he's too clingy i don't know maybe just mix it up a bit i don't hate it i don't don't be mad at me no i'm not mad that this, this is all perfectly valid <laughs> i just like i just feel like there's some queer baiting that happened that i just didn't appreciate but i still like it yeah i mean That's to fair. me it seems like and i don't know i don't know of any of the behind the scenes but it seems like you know the the actors are having a lot of fun on this project they really are they're all hilarious you know it's like this is a little tight-knit group that they've they've built you know and that sort of comes across the other thing is like like from episode to episode who's got the growly voice yeah there's a lot of growling going on and and i have a feeling it's like they draw straws and we're like we're gonna we're gonna give somebody the growly voice (laughs) yeah you know like so jim completely talks normal season one season two and then he's like season three he's like and the same thing with (laughs) did i miss something what happened 
happens? And how is he growling at everybody? It, it, it goes from character to character. He's got to let you know that he <laughs> went rogue. <laughs> he ran away from the law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a choice. I figured just like wearing black on black suit kind of told us that, you know. <laughs> the growl was a little bit over the top. He's a what bounty if, hunter now. What do you oh, expect? Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> Dress for success. So, Ian, you said the one thing that when we were watching it, uh, this is my favorite there, there, observation. The thing about that I really like about the show is that, you know, when they they take it to where they take it there. And let me explain it is that every time there's something that's going to happen, it's like the last minute, it doesn't, you know, someone doesn't save the situation. Like with yeah. uh, with what's her name and with with um, with Tabitha is it Tabitha 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 yeah. and she's gonna have her hand cut off by Ed and you're, we're thinking okay, I'm thinking okay something's gonna, gonna happen they're gonna fake it night. out and it's like boom I'm like oh shit yeah. you cut her hand <laughs> off dude and then like yeah. the and then, and then you know the the couple come going over the the side of the uh, jumping off the the ledge you know they jumped the the one time where they didn't. Where 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 he had all the where the um the Doctor Who homage the Doctor Who homage when the Mad Hatter had everyone on the rooftop, yeah, and it was like, you know, I can't save you. You have to save yourselves. That was a good like. That was a nice save. I was like, oh, that was. But cool. then, like, then a couple of episodes later, like Mad Hatter, he drops that ball and crushes those people, and you're just like, damn, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, a bitch will get killed on this show. So that's why. That's why I was just, I'm so confused yeah. that we can't have two people of the same sex, like, really be into each other yeah. and kiss and have a thing. And it's to either get stabbed or something something happens in your hand. That's right? a lot of hand injuries on the show. a lot of hand injuries on the show. A lot of hand injuries. No, I, you're, you're totally right about they, they follow through with their threats. I mean, the, the best example is just uh, the tail end of season three where, like, oh, like, the virus, like, actually does get, like... <laughs> detonated and we got to figure out how to fix that rather than trying to figure out how to prevent it because that didn't work and then Um, and then jim he he actually sticks himself with the virus yeah when he's you know buried alive it's like oh even just like re-watching because i was mirroring the finale of season three with you even just watching that episode i'm like man i forgot how good this was yeah wow yeah it's such a standout they had they had lined it all up they had gotten into good good measure if you sort if you had got through the laying down of the track of season one and season two which were not terrible episodes but again not nearly as strong as what the show became and then to see it kind of derail and go what now because we can't get our hands on the first four episodes now Here's the thing I need to ask you guys out there in the world. We pay $200 in cable. Like, we don't get anything through torrents or any of that stuff. I don't have good luck with that stuff. I can't do it. I always get caught, so I don't do it. I, you know, it's just easier to obey the law. Fine. So we have cable. We have Prime. So I go to the Fox app. And they start with episode five. Yeah, they do. They do this at, with every se- series that is currently in season. Then I go to Prime, going, okay, you can make. I'll be the chump. So the first four episodes, I'll buy for three dollars a pop. Fine, because I'm I'm on this track. I'm gonna see where we are. I'm gonna be caught up, and then I'm gonna be right where Andre and, and Lindsay and Harley are, where, where all the households will align. We'll be watching Gotham together, and it's like, nah, nah. Yeah. Why do they do this? 
They're, it's it's a scam. They're trying to get us to a pay scam more. scam how? They want us if to If they pay were getting more. me to pay more, they would put them on Prime and I'd pay for them. Yeah, well, well, okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know what like what time, what time Warner's doing, but it's like every time we you go into something that is mid-season, you know, your your episode 6 Y'all or 7. Y'all want me to sit here and watch it every every they, week? They don't they don't have any they don't have 1 2 3 4 available and it starts from like two back of where they are. Are we supposed to be DVR and this stuff or just not? <laughs> well, then you got to pay the extra for the DVR. Well, it doesn't make any... I don't know why it w- it happened for this season because I was in the same boat like last year. Like me and Harley were in the same boat because we were finishing up season three as like season four was putting out a couple of episodes. And when we finished season three, we just bought the episodes we missed of season four on Prime and then just caught up with it on Hulu after that. Yeah, that's what I thought was so going to happen. I don't know what what is going on. If that's a Fox thing, like I don't. Well, all I know is I started trying to watch season five, starting with episode five, and I was so confused. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is not good. A lot of stuff apparently went down in four episodes, so I'm just gonna wait. Which sucks. Well, the good, yeah, the good thing is like it. Hopefully, when the season ends it'll be available and the last episode of season five and of gotham entirely is this thursday so okay um we'll have to see but yeah that's really really annoying so that was your one question you had your one question what's your other question question? my other question was going to ask you about how you feel about the whole jerome and jeremiah stuff i loved it i thought it was a really lovely take um I don't know why they did that. I don't know if that's in the comics. I have no idea. I don't read the comics, but nothing against comics. I just, there's so many things I can consume, but I'm assuming like they're, they're pulling this from something, but I loved it. And I don't know if it's like, does Cameron not want to wear all that heavy prosthetic makeup um, and not have the plastered on face? Does he want to more act with his own natural face, which a lot of actors prefer so he can have his own expression and put his own kind of spin on Joker. Um, I like the more intelligent Joker. The other one was just this unhinged psycho, which we've seen other people do to varying degrees of success. Pick your favorite mm-hmm. Joker. Mine, obviously, mine's going to be Heath Ledger. Wasn't a fan of what Jared Leto was doing. I don't know what that was, but if y'all loved it, you loved it. That's great. Not my cup of tea. I loved Margot Robbie. I just, he was, I, I don't know. He went He went for a very long method walk off a pier that I didn't want to, I didn't want to <laughs> take that journey with him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, he almost got like pepper sprayed by Viola Davis, I think. So, um, <laughs> Viola so I, Davis would. <laughs> she, you know, she would. He probably like pulled all that shit with everybody, and then just was himself in front of her. Hey, good morning. Yes, hi. Because <laughs> um, she like had a baseball bat in her trunk, like make a move, bitch. So I, I feel like what Cameron is doing is really interesting, and I think contractually, because he was on Shameless, we didn't get him until you know, 4B. And that's when the show came alive for me. Not because I'm one mm-hmm. of these single-celled, you know, amoebas on the sidewalk. Nope. No disrespect to single-cell amoebas. But that I I don't just like to have to watch Batman for the Joker stuff. I love David yeah. Mazuz as, you know, uh, Baby Bat. I've loved watching Baby Bat grow up. I think he's awesome. I love me some Alfred. Alfred's Alfred cool is too. I like Alfred's Alfred. a gangster. He's an OG. He's dork. Yeah, he's a character of his own so and not just a butler. 
Yeah, he's like he's like you know he's, he's that's his front, that's his cover, that's his you know bat suit, if you will. And then I love that Lucius is like his costumer, baby bats, you know, costumer. He's coming up with the members only jacket and all this kind of stuff. And we're going through. We, <laughs> we have were, looks. We were clowning on some of those. We've got the J. Crew. Those um, early costumes. J. Crew look. <laughs> yes. We've got the, the dark, you know. Uh, we've got a really sad cape that needs some work. That's like season one drag race. So I'm hoping for. I'm looking for like maybe some plastic nipply kind of wear with a proper flow. <laughs> oh, and God. To the. To the cape before we're over. Uh, and, I, you know, I like what's happened with Selena. I, I like what's happened with her. I still feel like I wanted more room with that character, more space for her, uh, and more evolution. But when you have a cast this big, you have to pick and choose. But I still feel like she's so essential that they. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was crowded out. And then by the time we get to Joker, now, it's, it pops when we have Crane, Tetch, and... Um, I like Tetch. We both like oh, Tetch. Oh, love Tetch. Yeah. I mean... I... I love <laughs> Jervis Touch no, so much. No it's, idea. He's such a cool character. Yeah. I, I had no idea so that the Dave Grohl looking wolf on The Walking <laughs> Dead was such a good actor. Like, what a waste. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. And then uh, Charlie Tahan is, uh, is Scarecrow. Oh, my God. The three of them together. I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah. Those couple of episodes in season four with Jerome and like his posse of bad guys. Oh. Loved it. It's, I loved Jerome's last episode where he's like at the rock concert and everything. Yeah. It's yeah. just, that's, the, that's well, the, the, the gold of the series for me. I'm like, why don't we start there? Yeah. Well, let me, let me, can I kind of explain the whole jerk Joker situation that they have on Gotham? Sure. Because it's a, it's a little bit unique in that um, Fox has a couple of restrictions on just how jokery they can make this character oh. um for instance he can't have green hair as per per warner brothers request um they can't call him the joker um they can basically do everything else like they can have like the card like the playing card um but it's just the green hair <laughs> and the calling him the joker now whether or not that changes in season five at least where i'm at it's still kind of the same case although they're they they were putting tinges of green in jeremiah's hair so they're getting they're getting a little you know little bold um yeah i saw that but like this whole thing with like the the jerome and jeremiah twist is so interesting to me everyone hates it like everyone hates the twist they They do understand why jerome wasn't wasn't good enough and i I've sort of parsed it down to this. So you have Jerome, and he's great. He's like the the epitome of what we know as the Joker. Very insane, uh, unpredictable, charismatic, and just all around just like complete a complete joy to watch, right? And then you have Jeremiah, who is unpredictable, but intelligent and manipulative. Right. And the Joker for me, outside of the context of Gotham, the Joker for me is all of those things. He is unpredictable and he is intelligent. He is insane, but he is also manipulative. So what the Gotham writers are doing is that they're expressing this character in more ways than one. They're picking and choosing what aspects of that character, because they know it's all been done before. Right. So they said, why not we isolate it into these characters and and have everyone else work off of that? 
So when you have Jeremiah, who orchestrated that entire like fake out with like Jerome on the videotape, that I was I was screaming at that when he like wipes the makeup off his, off his face and his face is all white at the graveyard. And when he shows up to the GCPD and he's like, you have 24 hours, boom. And then the clock tower behind him like explodes like, yeah, like Goral. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's again, that thing of like, oh, they're doing what they said they're going to do, you know, and blowing the bridges at the end as well. Oh, we're going there. Like we did that. Um, yeah. Infrastructure. So Jerome, yeah. so Jerome for me encapsulates certain uh character aspects of the joker and jeremiah sort of does it for everything else about that character and for me at least like when those last couple of episodes of season four like my god i was my eyes were glued to the screen every time jeremiah i was hanging on to every word that jeremiah was saying that scene with bruce and jeremiah in sort of the bullpen like literally acting their dicks off i was like yes yeah yes i love that meisner the joker through. yeah <laughs> i was like i love that the essentially what we know as the joker is interacting with would-be batman like yeah. they they now they have that relationship that they've known each other for basically all their lives now to the point where where we know as batman so it's like it's so good that it's just kind of like it's mind-boggling to me and, it's it, and it frustrates me it frustrates yeah. me when people don't like get that and even people who do get that still don't like that explanation that they that they've halved off character aspects into into two different characters and that's totally fine i just think it's an interesting way of doing it and the gotham writers were very cognizant about what's been done and what they can do to make it different i like it i mean yeah i, was, I don't I even was know all of that too. i yeah. loved it i loved also again like acting around those prosthetics with a character that has been that is so well known and so reformed by heath ledger it's hard to get away from i mean i love uh, mark hamill's joker uh, from the yeah. animated series i i could take or leave jack nicholson's um uh joker yeah um i mean i think you have to be of a certain time in a certain era i'm sure i've just spoke blasphemy to somebody but you know whatever but i just i feel like i loved it because it was slipping out of the skin of this expectation and that jerome mm-hmm. could be um his own man as it were yeah and i wanted that for cameron as well because cameron is a, is a wonderful actor he's a good dude um he sacrificed a lot to do this and then he le- he leaves a good show well he's in prison on shameless so he could always come out out of prison but um you know he might now that emmy's leaving and he might come back in i i don't know but it's like just to see what he's done with this part i was like this makes a lot of sense for him to leave yeah and not just play the the joker per se but to put um a real live living um vision of this character on screen breathing understandable relatable in, in some level and not just completely unhinged and mad. Like the first Joker, Jerome, I loved him, had a good time with that guy. But he was like him and his followers were like YouTube comments, like if they were people <laughs> just running around, just running amok, <laughs> you know, and that that's that's kind of fun in a, an hour and 45 minute movie. But is it sustainable in a series? Sure, so to yeah. change him up like this made him more sustainable and more also the yin to baby bats yang they may more fit together and i see exactly what you're saying it's like that totally makes sense to me and i'm loving the hell 
out of that. It's probably one of my favorite things to come out of it. And also, yeah. I love I love the evolution of this penguin. This penguin is my favorite penguin ever. Like this penguin yeah. is amazing. I would watch this dude in like movies, like put him in the yeah. movie franchise. And Ed, the Riddler, come the fuck on. I love this dude. This yeah. guy and also that guy in real life. It's a Corey Michael something. I've already forgotten the actors' names. But um <laughs> he's hilarious on Twitter. Corey Michael Smith? Yes. That dude is hilarious just just walk around <laughs> hilarious funny so and then the two of them on screen just hold the screen and then you put the you put baby bat in there david's got this kind of beautiful soulful thing going on he's not too intense i still feel yeah. like he's on the spectrum a little bit i love that about that character i don't know if that's a real thing or i'm just making that up i love me some dark ass alfred favorite alfred ever yeah. You know, and who even thought I didn't even pay attention to the commissioner. I grew up with the old dude on the TV series who just had a red phone in his uh, <laughs> his office. He never left the office. He would show up occasionally after Batman was done doing stuff and go, good job. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, this was just really, really good. And I was just thinking about this Riddler. I think Frank Gorsham would be proud of this Riddler. They feel like they could be related because i love what frank gorsham did with the riddler he was just weird and twisty and bendy and elastic and like all kooky he was my favorite part of the original batman series so yeah yeah it's just great i'm sad to see it end yeah um i I feel i feel good about season five it kind of feels more um season four ish it's not as good as season three um but I'm ex- I'm excited to see what the what the last two episodes hold. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not cut up fully because I'm waiting for uh, to watch it with Harley after spring break because uh, that's just been our thing for like a year and a half now. We we got to see it through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just I, I'm glad that you're like on the journey now, and hopefully you can I, <laughs> watch yeah. the first four episodes of season five. Can soon. somebody please tell me where I see these? Did y'all DVR them? Can y'all just? Yeah, we try to. We try. Where do you to live? I'll come to your house and YouTube, watch with your house. I'll bring nothing. snacks. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't i mean i don't want to do anything illegal and i don't want to pay an extra what is it 10 15 dollars on top of what we're already paying for dvr i guess that's bad on my, my part i didn't know i was going to watch the series until <laughs> i was watching the series and by the time i figured i was going to watch the series it was too late to tape the episodes so yeah. what well, about that nostradamus when we when we switched over to to time one of the last time you know, we had. They said you have a DVR. We had a DVR. We were like, "What?" For like a whole year until yeah. we we're like, um, and "They're like, yeah, you have the DVR." I'm like, oh, okay. Can we get rid of that then? Such jerks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad I watched it. I think I feel like I'm on a journey, and also just you know within our our circle of friends here and within the fam, it's good to just kind of like I said, we have our shows that we're all now watching, which are cool. Um. Again, got to get you on that Mr. Robot. I'm working on it. I'm oh, working on I know, it. <laughs> I know. You have your dance card is punched the entire time. You're probably home, but when you get a dance, <laughs> I have some theories to share with you that will blow your mind. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, there's just stuff about that show. It's a show within a show within a show within a show. Or you can just watch it and go. I like Elliot. He wears a black hoodie and he hacks things. Yay! Um, and he hates the people who murdered his dad uh let's switch gears this is kind of this is gonna be a weird transition but we got to do it anyway (laughs) 
I don't know. Uh, did you see the second part of Leaving, leaving Never, Neverland? Mm-mm, no. Just you the just saw part. the first part. You kind of watched along with me along the four-hour documentary. Yeah. And then today we clocked the, uh, the Oprah special that came afterwards. I know this is like a big trigger for everybody. Nobody wants to even talk about it or to get near it. Because if you go in right now, if you go onto Twitter and you hashtag Leaving Neverland, your computer just catches on fire <laughs> and blows up your house. <laughs> it's like everybody is like really pissed off about this um, for various reasons. There's a people who are like, I love Michael Jackson's music. I'm not going to stop listening to it. I don't believe these guys or even if this is true, I don't really care about that. I'm still going to enjoy my music. I want my Haas and Pfeffer. I can listen to beat it unironically and be fine. I won't be able to ever. And then, you know, this comes right behind, pardon the pun, uh, Surviving R. Kelly, the six-part episode uh, series on Lifetime. And they're not, they're not the same things, but it's just these, these two popular artists are getting tried in the public. And it's, very, it's a very interesting time to be having this t- discussion about art versus the artist. And I want to talk about that because I feel like we shouldn't shy away from these things. I feel like when we talk about these things uh, through civil discourse we can discover things about ourselves and each other and maybe find, I don't know if the right way to, to consume this is what I'm after, but more like, I just want to hear some thoughts about this, you know? Well, I have, I have thoughts about this, but do you want to talk about what uh, Pete Davidson said? Cause it kind of sort of I loved goes it. into that. Yeah. What did, can you uh, reiterate what he said? Cause I thought it was amazing. Did you oh, see I, it? I have to look it up cause I, I didn't see it. Okay. We saw it. Um, so Pete, Pete said, you know, if you start going down this path of not listening or consuming something uh, based on like somebody's behavior, it's going to be me and Colin Joe sitting here because there's something about troubled people and their art. And I don't totally agree with how Pete put it, but I I understand the sentiment. If we start going down, if you do how your favorite actors really acted, it would be very off-putting in a lot of cases. I'm not saying all people, but they're people, you know. Your favorite singers, they have bad days. Everybody's got to go take a nap. Everybody goes to the bathroom. Everybody gets dirty. Everybody needs to eat. People get cranky. They get tired. But there's a difference between a bad day and okay. criminal activity. I'm getting there. Give me a minute. <laughs> I didn't make up notes on this. I'm just flowing with it. So, yeah, there's that aspect of it. People go, I saw my favorite in the street, and he didn't want to take a video with me, so he needs to be burnt at the stake. You need to calm the fuck down because you don't know what's going on in that guy's life and he's got a million things going on. Give him, give him a second. But if then the, the fifth time this dude is like this and he's always like this, then that's who he is maybe. Right? So th- there's that. There's that. And then people are like, I'm never going to watch a show again. Okay. I, I'm not with you on that. I'm not following with you on he didn't give you attention. Then there's the stuff like we say bad, stupid shit. Or do stupid shit like wear a pedophile costume to a Halloween party 11 years ago. And then somebody finds it and goes, you don't get to direct the next Guardians of the Galaxy. I said some homophobic shit on Twitter. uh, And I'm an ignorant, stupid fuck. And now I don't get to host the Academy Awards. People are like, those people are canceled. 
in both of those cases of James Gunn and Kevin Hart, as much as they did some pretty fucked up shit, they didn't put their hands on anybody. They didn't rape or molest anyone. They did some stupid shit. And Kevin, again, we've talked about this on the pod. Kevin probably didn't handle that awesomely. You know, he should have just re-apologized and it would have been over with. James Gunn, I mean, I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, that was fucked up. But I think he's apologized. He's seen the error of his ways. We know that the guy's heart. We know Kevin's heart. Kevin is a good dude. I've heard nothing but good stuff about Kevin Hart. He's a generous, kind human being who needs to sit with somebody and maybe change his thinking. Again, Frankie Shaw fucked up. Did she hit somebody? Did she get somebody fired? I wonder, how deep does it go? Okay, there's that category, right? Then we get down to this, where R. Kelly is accused of like keeping a cult of women, basically brainwashing them, kind of like old 60s pimp style, like... You got your bottom bitch. You got your top bitch. You're like, you're, you're keeping them around. You're doing all this egregious stuff and their families feel like they've been held against their will. He, he's, he finally learned to like get girls who are like of legal age. So he won't go to jail for it. But then if you watch that six part series, oh my God, like once you get through that six episode, you're like, I didn't even listen to R Kelly before, but now I don't know if I can listen to, I believe I can fly. Then there's the Michael Jackson stuff. For years and years and years, Michael's been accused, not just this two times and not just the Jordy case. It's been multiple times, multiple times. And then there's the, these old saws. He's been investigated by the FBI for 10 years. Yes. And they had, did find stuff. And the jury in Michael Jackson's case didn't believe him. They just couldn't make it stick. So if you're going to repeat these things, you know, he's innocent because he was in the court, blah, blah, blah. They acquitted OJ. He didn't do, you know, you got to use your brain a little bit better than just the hits. And I've heard these hits for years. Sitting down and watching this and listening to Wade Robson and James Safechuck go through their stories chronologically. At the end of it, I had to, I have to believe them. They're not getting paid for the specials. They have more to lose now than they ever had. Wade tried to sue the estate. He wrote a book. He didn't get a job he wanted. And everybody's, that makes him a bad guy. He's just doing this for money. Look, if somebody touched me when I was seven years old and groomed me and my entire life was formed around them, and then, I, and then I got dropped when I aged out of that affection and that relationship and that love, I'd see you too. I'd write a book about it too. I'd expect employment because I played along and played into the game and testified for you. I don't see why people have a problem with that aspect of it. Mike used his money to purchase the affections of these kids. He manipulated them. He groomed them. This is what I'm seeing that he did. And that, and that grooming is not... You know, only him. It's it's what th- it's what they do. It's what they do. Like now victims not, say, yeah, I was groomed. I mean, I was groomed, or you know, he had this. They had this. Uh, um, um, it was like a, a, a roadmap or a practice. This is what they do mm. to get their victims. And again, Mike, I'm sure Mike 
has got some abuse in his, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm suspecting Mike has got some abuse in his past. I feel like he didn't have his own childhood. All that kind of stuff. That doesn't give you the right to have children sleep in your bed and with these allegations, touch children, multiple children for your sexual pleasure and then tell them that God put you together and have mock wedding ceremonies and then manipulate people when you feel like they're turning on you. All of that is just, we don't want to believe it. Like, I don't want to believe Frankie Shaw is this person people saying she is. But I'm not in that situation with her, right? So I'm sitting here, and again, I'm not equating what Frankie is being accused of with Michael Jackson. Don't get it twisted. I'm just saying, like, when you find out your fave is doing something like this, I want to be with that camp that says, yeah, but if you start going down the road of getting rid of all the problematic people out of your life, you wouldn't consume that much stuff. I want to go along with that. But for me, once I know this stuff, I can't unknow it. Like, I can't watch John Wayne movies. You know, I can't listen to Wagner. I can't, I can't do it. This is... (laughs) We were talking about this kind of yesterday, but this is such a messy topic that we have revisited over and over again on this podcast. Um, Yeah. And I'm still, still not, I mean, I thought I was pretty sure about where I stood and until this, this leaving Neverland thing sort of came up. Um, because I mean, I mean, the best example for us has been, has been talking about like Johnny Depp and all the allegations. And yeah, I'm reading what what Pete said on SNL, and this is what he said: pretending these people never existed is maybe not the solution. The rule should be you could appreciate their work, but only if you admit what they did. You can buy a Mustang, but you have to say Henry Ford hated the Jews as you buckle in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. I, it was a funny yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't get me started on Disney. Y'all wouldn't be going to Disney if you knew. I think I think the problem we have is that we're trying we're trying to figure out a a like a go to to just cover all of our bases. And I mean like and like you said, we can't compare what Frankie Shaw did compared to to what Michael Jackson did. It's all completely subjective. And I think at the end of the day, it's up to you whether or not you want you want to partake in that person's art. And there's so many different sides to it. Yeah, the artist informs the art. Absolutely. I believe that. There are there is myself is in the music I read. I totally understand that. And then I mean you also have the people like, I, I mean, like, I was talking about how, like, you know, like, people perform Wagner operas all the time, even though he said, like, I don't want black people in my operas. Right. Is it is it okay because it, that was such a long time ago that we just kind of forgot that? Because, like, at least for me, like, in the in the community that I am in with, with people who know this stuff, it's sort of like uh, we don't talk about it. We just sort of focus on the music. So I'm, I'm just wondering what's, what's different here. Why can't we talk about how Mozart was not the most unproblematic person ever? Like, there was, there was yeah. stuff, but, like, orchestras perform their music on a daily basis. So, because they just get the music, they don't get the person. So, for putting it into this context, I mean, 
I mean, just from what I watched from the the first part, yeah, it's kind of irreconcilable to me. I just, I, I, I mean, you can you can just hear it in 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 their voice. Like, it's kind of undeniable at this point. Some people say we still, even after the documentary, we still don't have a a like solid confirmation. And I I think that really depends on on just you as a person, honestly, because. Sure. Because just watching these guys talk about it, I mean, like, I don't, I don't see any person that that could sort of fake that what 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 they were saying. Yeah, you know. So again, it's I'm not here to like go. It's not about do you believe or not believe the victims. That's again, that's subjective. That's up to you. Yeah. And, and I think James Savechuk said it best. He said it's it's really a fool's game to like try to try to convince people. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that. That's that's really that's an uphill battle. I'm just here for people who have been in the same situation to say, let's talk. I'm here for you. You're here for me. Let's share this story. And Oprah filled the room with 150 people who had been uh, victims of um, like and kind abuse like this, being groomed in other situations. Uh, and, and well, you know, look, one man who was a former NFL player, he was molested at the age of 13 by the local police officer, Officer Friendly. He had a gun, he had a badge, he had power. He walked through the streets like he owned them. And he was 13. It was his first sexual experience. And he held that in for 33 years. And again, I'm not saying you have to believe these guys. And if you don't, you're a bad person. And I'm not saying if you listen to Michael Jackson after hearing this, no matter what your verdict is on that, that you suck because you listen to Michael Jackson's music. I'm not going to walk out of the room if I hear Michael yeah. Jackson music. I wouldn't be yeah. able to go inside most of the time because his music's everywhere. But I think now I can't unknow it. I can't. Yeah. I can't. It's always just now it's a cloud. It's like something that I kind of enjoyed before. I mean, Michael Jackson was the first crush I ever had on a human being. I remember looking at him when I was a kid and going, he cute, you know, and I got a pin up and that's when I discovered uh, just how racist my dad was. I wasn't allowed to hang that up in my room. So that was kind of like my, I stashed that under my bed, you know, a little Michael Jackson and singing ABC. That was like my thrill. And I had that 45 and, you know, I, I loved Mike and he's been a part of my world too. And I get it. I grew up with John yeah. Wayne movies. I grew up loving Woody Allen. He turned me into a person who wanted to make films. I grew up with so many comedians that I looked up to. And then as you get older and you find out stuff, you're like, fuck yeah i think i think it's 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 the fear that people have that in in listening to to his music they're in some way supporting the crime and i don't know if if that's really a fair i mean he's the one that did the crime that that's that's his thing right and it's up to you with whether or not because i mean i don't i don't logically if he was still alive and we were listening to his music, yes, he'd be profiting off that somehow. But I don't think people listen to music thinking, oh, like I'm listening to this and this artist is going to get their, their royalties from this. Like people, I don't, people don't think that way unless they're like, like really like supporting like a new upcoming band or something like, oh, I got to listen over and over again so they get more hits. That's, that's not really the case here. I don't think people are listening to music with the idea that they're supporting the artist in a way. Like granted, no. this, this comes over to like other stuff too. Like me and Harley talk about like the book community. Uh, a good example is James Dashner, 
who wrote the Maze Runner trilogy, and he's he's had some allegations uh, of against him, sexual allegations. And Harley's like, I don't feel comfortable reading his his books because like i said one artist informs the art and two it's he's profiting off of something that ended up in what became these sexual allegations so i get it i understand it i and i and i don't blame people that do want to read the books either because again i don't think people think in that way i don't think people oh i gotta buy this book so i can support this very famous author i don't I don't think people are going to the Fantastic Beast movies so they can support J.K. Rowling. Like I don't. <laughs> no, like yeah. at least I'm not. Like <laughs> so. Yeah. I let mean, me, like, let me make sure she gets that jet fuel this month. I got to get yeah. This, that movie. Like no one, <laughs> no one thinks like that. But no. I mean, in in the reality, it is what you're doing. It's it's just this is what I'm talking about. It's like so messy. It's like, and I'm not I'm not so sure anymore whether the the art should be separated from from the or should we think about it as one or two separate things like I'm i don't not, know I'm not that we need sure to, anymore i don't know that we need to define that i think you kind of when you were saying like there's not it's the world is plaid it's not even gray yeah it's certainly not black and white gray doesn't really fit the bill it's plaid and i guess they they and they say that in the the oprah um part uh, i'm not sure which one it, uh, i think it was wade where he says you know it's not this or that it's this and that and something else there's just there's yeah. so many different fra- he it's was not talking the line about you how, cross it's the path you take yeah, it's how it's how how you how you um as a victim how you uh recover from this it's not like you know this person can recover and then by doing this and then the other person does the same thing it's it's like well, i was just thinking about this though and again like i just said the kevin hart thing and the james gunn thing the, the pretty you know problematic shit right but then I think about John Wayne. I discovered this interview that he does with Playboy. It was well after he did it. I think I probably discovered it in the 80s. And I was just because we were in film studies class and someone said, hey, we're going to watch this. It was sort of at the time an obscure John Wayne film, one of his lesser known. And somebody goes, I'm not watching that racist ass misogynist dude's movie. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. What happened? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then, you know, somebody produced, they brought in the next day the, the this is. We didn't have cell phones at the time, so you didn't link to the article. Brought in the physical Playboy magazine and was like, we read it in the class as part of our class. And I was like, what the? F-? It's the one that you guys recently, that hit the papers again recently and has been circulating around. Like, he's pretty racist and shit, among other things. And I remember that moment was, I was like, that was my childhood with my dad. We would sit on the, the couch on the weekends and we'd watch wrestling and roller derby and we'd watch a John Wayne movie in the afternoon or, you know, a cowboy movie of some sort. And I grew up with all those guys, Audie Murphy and all these, you know, cow pokes and war movies, always like cowboys and Indians. And again, talk about problems, totally <laughs> yeah. problematic thing there. And then the, your, your war pictures and stuff like that. So, and then as you get older, yeah, this hit me, and I was like, it, it so hit me in such a crazy way because I had spent my entire life fighting around my own dinner table, you know, racism and ugly racism and stuff like that that formed my life. And here was this dude who was my dad's favorite, and I was like, well, no wonder. <laughs> you know, like, I just couldn't ever do it again. I never watched a John Wayne film after that. And I didn't sit around and go, I'm boycotting John Wayne. I just, when it was on, I would just avoid it. And it was quite popular at the time. You didn't have cable like you do now. It was like, those are your choices around certain holidays. It's like the John Wayne, 
you go into a bar and there it is. Or they'd project John Wayne movies on the walls of clubs that we would go into. And I'd be like, just kind of makes your stomach churn a little bit. You're like, dude, I'm sure John Wayne's a nice guy. He's a funny guy. He's a lovely man. And maybe he didn't have that in his heart for the rest of his life. And maybe he changed. And maybe that, that interview is nailed him in place in a way that he shouldn't be. And maybe I should yeah. give him the grace that I'm giving Kevin Hart. Because, again, you make a good point. Do we forgive it more or less the older the art is? I, you know, if Michael it, Jackson were a mid-level talent, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, and, and he died, what, 10 years ago? I mean, he's he's still pretty prevalent in, in, in our society. And it's It's also like the... Do we? How do we judge the the crimes in comparison to each other? Because I mean, like on the one hand, you can think like this this example, like the Henry Ford Henry Ford um, being anti-Semitic, is not the same thing as pedophilia. Because while he did hold some questionable and very problematic beliefs, he didn't hurt anyone. But the beliefs he had supports the the violence against those groups so it's like yeah you're either physically hurting someone or yeah. like it's the same thing with walt disney like long held i mean there are people who are like emphatically say no he didn't hate jews that's just a myth and there are people who are like no he straight up like hated jews man totally hated them but there's like that air of you know he's a human being there's going to be that stuff around him and it's like can people go to disney and enjoy it hell yeah they go every day they go all the time you know so yeah. and, and are people aware? Do they turn the other way? And are those people bad people for going to Disney if that were in fact true? I don't think those people are evil. They just want they want to take their kids somewhere. They that's their entire childhood. It's the same thing with Michael Jackson. I mean, I have a friend who said, you know, we played Michael Jackson at my wedding. I'm not about to I just had to give up R. Kelly. This is what my friend said. She's like, I just had to give up R. Kelly. It's like it came on her and her husband were watching space jam and it came on and she was just like, they were like looking at each other like, damn it. Fuck. Yeah. You know? And then she's like, I just, I'm not ready. I'm not going to give up this other thing. You know, I've, I've hit my quota and I totally, I totally understand that. I really yeah. do. I really, really do. I don't think she's a bad, she's a wonderful person. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, Audrey brought it. You know, you, you guys both bring up a good point with like you know the differences in in the the a crime and actually um, uh, just the way you th- a person thinks because everyone they have that right to to think the way they think. If, yeah, you know, I if someone wants to be a racist, I can't stop them from not being a racist. But when they start when they cross the line and then affect somebody else and actually commit a crime then then we can start saying okay you know we could put these these things together it's like you know with bill cosby are we like there's no reruns of bill cosby anymore yeah a lot of people were having a hard time with that i mean i grew up um, you know dr hustable he was like he was like my father and that's, you know, you know he that's, was my father that I turned to with, with this multicolored sweater and he had wisdom. And now I'm like, you were knocking chicks out one after yeah. the other. And it took Hannibal Burris, not the women accusing him. It took Hannibal Burris on some sleepy stage one night to make an accusation and say, go Google this. And it brought down the guy's career. And I'm just like, wow, that's kind of where we are now. It's like, 
I think what this is doing is it's teaching us as a society in a whole because you know there's people who already think this way. But to separate, I think we do need to separate the person from the art. Well, it's 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 what he what Pete Davidson is saying here. I think what what he's trying to say, like y'all, like they're they're human too. Like they they say and do stupid stuff, and some more than others, you know. But I mean, yeah, it's like it's again, it's the whole thing. Like, uh, what are people like? In in what are their intentions? Like, I doubt anyone is going to Disney World or watching a Disney movie with the mindset of. I'm going to support this movie because Walt Disney was anti-Semitic. Like, or (laughs) I'm going, I'm going to church because I support the pedophilia of of altar boys. Like, I don't, well, (laughs) yeah, well, now do we like, do we close all churches because of the, do we, do we cancel church? Like, I mean, like, I'm fine with that, but like, uh, (laughs) but no, like, it's it's crazy because like people, what oh, what ahead. he's saying, like people are imperfect people, and it's up to you whether whether or not you want to say, all right, that's I'm I'm done I'm done with that person. Whether they they say something that you don't agree with on a fundamental level, or they commit like heinous crimes, like MJ did. So allegedly, it's, it's all up to the person, and I feel like some people just sort of have to. There, there are just a lot of people that just conflate the two, you know, like supporting yeah. MJ's music is supporting pedophilia. Yeah, I don't and see I don't it know that if way. That's the road we need to go. I, down I don't to. necessarily. See, I don't see it that way. I don't. I'm still kind of forming how I see it. I think because I'm still kind of taking in what I saw uh, with the documentary, and I've heard uh, people have been trying to lob this stuff at, at Michael for a long time. And I got to tell you, those when I was in the media back in the day, I mean. Everybody was just like, Mike's a pedophile, dude. Like, that's kind of like what was whispered around. And it made me very uneasy. Um, and then it just doesn't help the way Michael was looking at the, toward the end of his life and how he was behaving. It was just, he just seemed unhinged and, yeah, you know. Apart from his stardom, if he was any other person and he was arrested and, and accused of this, he... Would have totally gone to jail. The thing about Michael, though, and again, I guess it's the point of the document. One of the points of the documentary, uh, the the two parter, is that you know Mike is not rolling down like the one hundred and one in a rape van. He's not luring you in with like treats in the parking lot of the Seven Eleven. He's telling a boy, you know, come on tour with me. You're in this Pepsi commercial with me. Come on tour with me. You're yeah. I lost my virginity to you, to the boy. And my favorite commercials I've ever done are with you and talking to him for hours on the phone and coming to his house and staying, you know, being snuck in by the family out of his estate to go and hang out with them at the house and grooming the mother too. whether he's whether he's doing this consciously or unconsciously, like befriending her and and then also telling her son, you know, don't trust women, but then leaning on her and then looking to her as a mother and she sees him as a son and, you know, and like buying, buying them a new house and they're paying back the loan to him. And then when he comes under allegations, he goes, don't worry about paying that house back. So everybody's got their hands in this complicated, tangled mess and the young boy feels responsible for it because he's a kid. He's not a fully formed human being yet. 
He's a child who's still growing and evolving, and he thinks he's married to Michael Jackson. They exchanged rings, and he gets rewarded with jewelry and things and stuff. And it doesn't, it's not a rape ban on the side of the road. It's, I bought Neverland Ranch for you. I love you so much. Come and spend the yeah, weekend with th- me. When you, when you think about it that way, it just makes it even more egregious. So it's not just your run-of-the-mill, and there is no run-of-the-mill abuse. I'm not denigrating or, or undercutting anyone's abuse. That pain is real and valid no matter who you are. It's just that when I see people reacting to abducted in plain sight and going, these motherfucking white people, what the actual fuck? And everybody's judging them. Everybody's out in the street talking about these stupid fucking people who got played by this pedophile, like groomed the parents, separated them, had affairs with both of them to get to their daughter, told them... My therapy requires me to sleep in the same bed with your daughter so I won't uh, recommit the crime. And they're like, okay. And we're all judging the hell out of these people. No question. No question this guy's a pedophile. No question. But when it's the guy who did Thriller. Yeah. Who does Off the Wall. Who has a 2,700 acre ranch. So the parents are staying on the other side of the property. And the first night you meet him, he asks for your son and daughter to sleep in bed with him. And you go, okay. Everybody's got all this hatred for the parents. This is where I'm like, I don't know. Now I know it. See, now I know this. And I'm pretty sure, I know, it's allegedly all day long, but I feel in my heart, some, this, is, this can't be, Yeah. And, so and, I can't. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to like just roll up to it and be like, yeah. And I love these songs. I love these songs. I play them on the regular, and now I'm sitting here going, what do I do with this? I, I'm so busy dealing with that. I'm not going to sit here and judge somebody else. If they decide to go, I'm fine with it. Fuck it. I don't believe those guys or I do and it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. I don't have time to be messing. That's your life. I'm not going to. I don't have any room because I'm still over here trying to go. <sighs> just because you know they saying? didn't just because they didn't make it stick in the courtroom doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we already know how faulty our our criminal justice system is. <laughs> yep, Manafort got, got four years. <laughs> we, yeah, we opened up with that. We've got innocent people in prison. Yes, on death row. You know, have been have been killed. Who will never see the light of day. Repeatedly incarcerated, handed over. Teens being sold by judges into. Yep. You know, we've got rich, corporate prison got America. Very wealthy people skirting and getting out of things that. Well, I won't say who. We have a friend who has a friend. We have a good friend of ours who has a friend who works in the L.A. Child Crimes Division. And he and the rest of his division absolutely and utterly believed Michael Jackson was guilty. Again, if he he was any other person, whether despite ethnicity or anything. Oh, yeah. I don't care about. If he was any other person. Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about this. Just I money. mean, just just yeah. just think about like I'm I the whole time I've been thinking about this, I'm I'm putting my my feet in the shoes of of the fans that are defending him. And I mean, look, 
Michael Jackson, part of my childhood too. Sure. You know, I saw the thriller video and that just set me down a whole path. Probably in some ways maybe affects how I write music today. That sure. was the that was the first person band whatever that I, that I was into I was a, as a kid. And having all this come out is is it it hurts and you have to re re-examine yourself and then and but then again realistically i've only been living with him um like 15 years or something now imagine the people older living with michael jackson in their life even longer than that having like in, in like completely embedded themselves in his music maybe went to some of his concerts just completely idolized the guy. And then now they're sort of, they're met with this and their first instinct is to just go, don't take my, my music away. Don't give me a reason to stop listening to this. And in, in one and way, I'm not I can mad at those people. I'm not mad. In at those one way people. I can understand it. I totally yeah. can. But I mean, like, it, I mean, like to some people, like MJ didn't even feel like a real person. You know what I mean? Like he was just that famous. Well, that's what the, that's what Wade and James said about him. That's what yeah. uh, he was like. A, yeah. He was their god. He didn't, yeah. he didn't feel real. And for this this to come out yet again, as you said, this has happened multiple times. It's so easy for for people to pull out that famous card. Was like, well, yeah, of course they're 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 doing this. You know, he's famous. He's got money. They want the money. Of course, it makes total sense why they would do this, and not saw me to consider that. The person they've idolized does have these these skeletons in his closet so it's just like it's one of this documentary is like one of the biggest bombshells right now because yeah. it's it's got people talking about it again they uh the simpsons pulled um the michael jackson episode there's yeah. a, there's a radio station several radio stations yeah. now that have stopped playing his music oh. um it's crazy the estate is going to get hit with that. The estate supports, you know, I don't know how many countless people. His children, of course, among those. You know, do Michael Jackson's children deserve to pay for um, any of this? They were innocent children. Um, I don't know. I don't know that if there is an answer. I don't, I don't think there's an answer about Wagner. I don't think there's an answer about Disney. I don't think there's a clear and cut answer all the time now if i'm a victim of abuse and this has happened to me or someone very close to me in this manner that feels like this for me unequivocally it's like no fuck those people i'm not listening to their shit anymore and i want to live a life where i'm going to consume art that isn't steeped in problems and see we're here's why i differ from pete pete's premise is troubled people make great art and i don't believe that i've known a lot of troubled comedians out there in the world i'm and they're fucked up but i also knew just so many just good family people or just good-hearted people who didn't need to inject blow into their eyeball or whatever there was a lot of people who were just trying to make a living because this is what they were good at and they were on the road and we would have a beer and they would go home and they would be faithful to their wives or their girlfriends or their boyfriends and they were or, or just single and on their own and honest about who they were i don't buy that you have to be fucked up to be an artist so that was where the premise where he started i don't yeah i don't i'm not what is he but what does he mean by troubled i'm not it's an odd word to use did he say troubled i don't know 
I'm not, it was something I don't know, along I don't that know way of like, not. yeah, it's people with like issues. And my thing is, the way I, the way I'm reading it is he's is he's saying that he's saying that celebrities and the like make mistakes just like the rest of us. They're not they're they're people too. And they, but at they, the top of that shit. At the very beginning of that, though, he said something to the degree of like here, troubled or let me, let me problems. Do you have it on your? Do we have to pay NBC? <laughs> Brought to you by <laughs> SNL. Please sponsor us. <laughs> So that was the premise that he made. I'm sure you're, gonna, you're about to find it. And I, don't, I just don't agree. I, I think when I was out on the road, when I worked in the music business, there were a lot of people who made this excuse that, you know, the part of the road is you do drugs and you sleep with all the girls on the road in a group is. And then there, a whole, that whole generation Either they died, somebody in the road died, they, they're on their third marriage, everybody's got hep C, people got bad hips, everybody's crunked up, and then the new tours would start up and fire up, and I remember being between these two worlds, I was on the tour I was on, everybody's a little bit older, and then there was this new tour kind of loading in, and we were all kind of mixing it up, it was in this Vegas show, and I was talking to their crew, and they're like, yeah, um, your crew looks like they're half dead. <laughs> like we're all about to go jogging and we go to bed at 10. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the times evolve, but they were just like, we, we go and make music and we eat food and we read books and we energize our bodies and nobody's shooting up in their eye. Like we're yeah. just like, nobody smoked on that tour. We do our, our morning green drink and well, I mean, it wasn't gluten free. wasn't bougie like that. It was more like everybody was just like, this is my gig. And it was the first time I had seen like a really healthy tour. And all the people who lived through all those bad old days would eventually be healthy. James Hetfield started working out. He stopped drinking. He became a sober person. He stopped smoking. You know, all of these people were like to survive this, to live a life you eventually learn. Where it was like, Lemmy, you got to love Lemmy. Lemmy drank whiskey to the fucking day he died and smoked until I think the day he died. He might have had to stop smoking that last year, but it's like, you know, and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to peace out of this world. So I'm just saying like th- things have to evolve. So I don't feel like being troubled. If this is what's in Pete's mind, somebody needs to holler at Pete. Cause I know he's got some mental health issues. And if he thinks this is what it, it, it takes to be an artist, then somebody needs to correct him on that because that's not true. Did he not say yeah, that? Yeah, I tried. I I tried to listen. I could. I couldn't. I don't think he he's he said it. I could be wrong. Did he not? I, uh, I don't know. It was in a passing when he first like was starting up with. Uh, yeah, at the at the very top. I mean, he he said, "If you want, if you want something without like you know, what is it about troubled artists and yeah. fame?" And he said, "Me and you, Colin, we're good, but Michael Che is a genius." You're going down. That's why he says you're going down at the end. Like all the people who are geniuses have some skeletons in their closet. Yeah. I know he said it. Yeah, that I mean that was the essence of what he how he started off his right. Bit, you know, you know about artists or or people who are uh, with talent have issues, have problems. Right. 
you know. So I, I just don't feel like we should be looking at it that way. I don't feel like that is a requirement of. Yeah, because you could be a normal person and still, I mean, like people who aren't famous who are pedophiles. And the people who believe in the bullshit of like having to go out and party and be crazy and run amok. First of all, if you live through it, congratulations. And second of all, if you do, you're usually a hot fucking broken mess. And third, you're very, very unhappy because it's not a natural state to live in is to be, you know. Like in the fishbowl. Right. Michael, obviously Michael Jackson was troubled by something and so troubled that he was having to use hospital-grade drugs to put himself to sleep. Something that is not a normal thing to do, to be put no, yeah, under not. like that. And then just to drink, he was drink before he got into that, he just drank so heavily. Like he just, when James and his wife went to visit Michael. Up in Vegas. They went up in Vegas to see him, and he just, you know, he was all about, bring me some wine, bring me some wine, bring me some wine. I'm like, can't Mike just get yummy? To deliver anyway, uh, but like you know, and just sitting there, just drinking himself until he has to drink himself asleep. Something is up with you, dude. When he, I drink like that, something is up with me. You know. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. It. He said it seems like all the talented people are sick. Yeah. Whatever he means, sick as in like mentally ill, or sick as in like gross. I don't. I don't know. Um, sorry, I, it's a little bit unprofessional, but, um, I just had to see what, what he actually said. No, I, I totally get and agree what you're saying. Um, there is a very toxic, um, idea that you have to be mentally ill in order to create something. Um, you don't, uh, it's kind of like what Hannah Gatsby said about, she she had something like a bit about, about this. Um, Van Gogh. No, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know where it came from. Um, I yeah I just I I don't agree with it at all because now we found the converse is, is if if Michael Jackson had a maybe sought therapy or had close friends or had someone he could or or, or it confessed to someone that could see their way clear and maybe he tried and maybe he did I have I don't profess to know anything about Michael's life and again I I I don't know for sure that any of this happened I just know that. It's been out there for so long and said so long. I mean, if you, it's just, it's weird. If it's not true, why was it so pervasive? There's an easier way to make money. You know, I don't know. Anyway. I mean, again, it's 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 the combination of just like the worst circumstances possible. Because not yeah. only do you have this man that was physically abused as a kid, um, physically and emotionally, um, worked to the bone since age five, not having any friends his own age no celebration of holidays or birthdays you have that and then you put unlimited amount of money and fame with that person yeah um it's 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 the idea that that he knew he could get away with it essentially and wade wade doesn't you know when and when he was a when he was doing things with the boys that they felt uncomfortable with or that hurt he would stop do you know he didn't hold anybody down and rape them in the that so sense. So that was that's my question. Do you think? I mean, like again, we're all just speculating here. Do you think completely speculating? He, he didn't know what he was doing was bad. I think he knew exactly what he was doing was wrong. Michael I mean, wasn't he, stupid because he told uh, them, "Don't th- tell anybody." He said, "Don't don't." He, he constantly, immediately, the night that he was with 
according to Wade, when he was seven and his parents go off to the Grand Canyon and leave him behind with this man that they hardly know for, you know, eight days. I, <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. if this was abducted in plain sight and it wasn't Michael Jackson, we'd all be screaming. But it's Michael Jackson. So, no, he, there's no way he could have. So if you believe the, the boy who was seven, who says, you know. He started immediately telling, you can't say anything. You know, I love you. God sent you to me. You know, God put us together. And this boy, that's grooming, guys. Whether Michael knew that was grooming or not, whether he studied the book of grooming or got on the computer, it's that's what that is. Now, if you don't believe Wade, if you don't believe at seven years old, this didn't happen. I don't know what to tell you, man. Then you don't believe it. And that's fine if you don't believe it. It's fine. It's like classic predatory behavior. Yeah, and I think Wade and James would tell you that that's, you know, they're not here to to make everyone believe. I think they they both became fathers and they both decided to tell this story at this time. And I know Michael's gone and it feels like a cheap shot in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, my abuser allegedly, I don't, no, he did actually abuse me. I'm not alleging. <laughs> this dude, like, who who attacked me years ago, I've heard like he might've passed away two or three years ago. That didn't make my rape go away. You know I mean? Like I don't sit here and go, yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. I feel better now. That dude's not all, you know, like I just don't, it's kind of actually ambivalent toward it because I've had all these years to actually healthily deal with it and get the shame off of it and the whole thing. So, I mean, these guys are just now getting on the road to healing and they're trying to do that in a, in a very public way. I mean, I feel like when I look at James, he feels so fragile to me. I worry about that guy. That guy is just always shaking all over. Just I look in that guy's face. And it's not that I don't believe Wade. I just feel like Wade, who works around show business a little bit more, he kind of, he's sort of grown a little bit more armor. That's not to say that he's not just as fragile. So I don't know. I really don't even know. I, I just think there there's a bigger conversation to be had because I just keep thinking of what Pete said about, you know, I think the conversation we should be having is why do we have um, this essentially a system that allows people to do this, to get to the point where they have so much fame, so much money that they they are not human anymore to some people. Well, and why they think they can get away. There's just it it's such a huge problem in in terms of like scope. It's like it's something that needs it that needs to be addressed. It really, well, it think, really is. I think that that goes, you know, hand in hand with separating the artist from the art. If we keep looking at this person and 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 thinking that they're this god and they can't yeah. do no wrong, then it's it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. It, the cycle will continue to happen, but as a, as a society, as we learn to look at people and say, just because you're famous or just because you're rich, or you wrote a really wonderful set of songs, you have, yeah, or you you have you know uh, this great novel set, uh, you know, and they turn it into a movie, doesn't mean that you can't be a monster. Yeah. And and even though you give to charities and you have your own foundation doesn't mean you can't still be a monster yeah michael and that they they say this the oprah special that you can be great to children and you don't have to molest all of them and you can be uh, just a generous man and and giving of yourself all the time and still do these things yeah you know wade's forgiven michael 
but he still hasn't forgiven his mother. He hasn't forgiven his mother because, and I'm with him on this. I'm with both men on this of like, I'm having a hard time with the women here. Uh, Wade's father commits suicide. Um, he oh, killed, really? Oh, yeah. He, that's, that's, I missed that So I was trying to get you guys to watch part two. Wade's father was bipolar. And again, all of this separation of family and stuff like oh, that. I'm right, not that, saying yeah. Michael Jackson I, yeah. caused that part. Wade's dad to commit suicide. He was already a man dealing with his issues. But this, you his know, obviously. His wife left and, yeah. She yeah. took off and, and left. That's why half the family has the Australian accent. And Chantal and Wade, you have American accents. I mean, they they were she was so seeking it and she put her kids in the line of fire yeah you know so he they're both working on forgiving their their mothers and you know i don't know what the relationship james has with his dad but it's like again i know i keep going back to it but i I have to keep going back to it i'm kind of just i'm just running over like what it is so i can sit here and make my own decisions I'm not planning on once I make my final decision or a decision about this and standing on a soapbox and telling people what to do like at all. I just, for me, I'm responsible for my own life and I'm responsible for my own decisions. And so that's what I'll do with that. I'll probably do it very quietly. I'm not going to announce it like somebody going, I'm not listening to this Michael Jackson music. I'm leaving from this mall. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn the the mall music off. I'm in the middle of this very expensive, loud mall, and you're playing Michael Jackson. I refuse to be here. Like, what? I'm not going to be that person. But but now that I know, I think that's where I come down to. I can have all of these great arguments and and angles on it. But now that I know, I just kind of like, it's like the Frankie Shaw thing. Now that I know, like I had my show, my... uh, Smilf stuff lined up to catch up the last two or three episodes, and I'm kind of going, oh, oh, maybe I'll skip that for now. Maybe I'll not, just because. But see that be that's the type of people we are. Well, I don't know. I'm not trying no. to sit, but that makes you sound like we're sitting up here going, "Oh, that's the kind of people we are." No, no, no. Hey, look down on the, you know. No, I'm not, no, it's not. We're not looking down on people. It's like if. If we know that somebody is has is is not behaving in a way that I think betters society as a whole, then we steer clear. We're like, you know what? For me, I d- I choose not to support that, so I'm not going to watch your show. Yeah, and I'm you not. Know? I'm and not trying to do it to all, put anybody well, that, in the ground or anything. I just for me, like I've already paid for Showtime. I'm not going to go cancel Showtime. I'm not no, going yeah, like, to write no, an angry email yeah. to anybody or tweet yeah, exa- at somebody. Exactly. Nothing I think like just that. for me, quietly, I'm just you know. Well, yeah. I'm actually telling you guys on the podcast, but I think for me, I'm hey, just everybody. Hey guys. I mean, <laughs> I know it's ironic what I'm yeah. saying, but like for me, it's just I'm just going to be like I just I fell myself today. Normally, I have my I watch Crashing, which they're taking off there. I watch High Maintenance. I watch you know Shameless, and I watch uh, Jesus and Miro, and then I watch Smilf, and I'm over here going, ooh, I don't know about that last one for now. And again, let's go down the Pete's thing. If you started looking at all this stuff that's problematic and you wouldn't have anything to, I just beg to differ. I feel like. But that's, what, are, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm saying, though. Saying, saying that is not addressing the problem. Right. Like, yeah, he's right, but that doesn't that doesn't mean like like we're we're ignoring the problem that we've created this level of society that people can rise to where they're above this kind of criticism or this punishment. That that's the problem that we're and look, I don't know how we fix that. No. I don't know how we get people to stop idolizing people. I don't know how we do that. I don't know if there is a way to do that. Or fixing you know, the money problem because people don't tend to like absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
You give yeah. anybody enough power for a long enough time, they'll start acting like just a, an alien monster. We live in a town where there's people who, you know, they just don't go out of doors a whole lot, you know, unassisted. Yeah. They're like an animal that's been in a cage, you know, a gilded cage, and you let them outside. They're like, I don't know how, like, doors work. Milk? Where do you buy the milk? Where's there's their storehouses? Yeah. Th- like, there's just people who are so famous, they really can't function. And there's people with power that yeah. they just, they're in a bubble, and they feel yeah. they're just so detached from the world. I don't know that you can ever really fix that. I think we're trying to do that right now with our political system. We're trying to do that right now. Like, you can't just go over here to our enemy and be like, hey, man, you know, the enemy's like, I'll give you a few billion dollars if you just do the stuff and the sanctions and things. And, you know, okay. And, like, you should be held accountable for that. And if we can't police that, I don't know how we're going to police the other stuff. I think think by discussing it and having a social discourse – and, and shining the light on the corruption or or the uh, the crimes, you know, making people aware is part of a healing process. It's part of yes, fixing and the this problem. Is, yes, you know? absolutely. This is my whole thing. I listen to Wagner operas with the knowledge that he was racist. I read H.P. Lovecraft knowing that he was racist and homophobic. I watch shows that was influenced by HP. You know, it's 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 this whole thing that you know. I went to see Fantastic Beast with the knowledge that Johnny Depp has these allegations against him, and I think Pete nailed it on the head. We have to make people aware. We have to make people aware so they can make their decision, and then it's up to you whether you want to vilify them for that decision or not. I don't think you should, but you know, that's just me. I don't think you should vilify people for loving what they love. And again, I guess it depends on to what degree. They, the 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 individual who wants to listen to that or watch the thing or whatever, they committed no crime. They committed no crime. So, yeah, you can't vilify them for that. I just don't expect yeah. me to go into, like, the one or two vinyl stores in L.A. and somebody, like, running across the street with a Thriller album hissing at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get the fuck out of my face. I love nope. my stuff! <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, you don't have to be Gollum about it. It's fine. You know, like what you like. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm prepared to take that on. I just see for me, I can't unknow it, and so now it's going to make me kind of see it in a different way, and I'm not going to lay in the corner and, like, cry about it or journal about it. I'm just going to be like, okay, shit, you know. Move on. I feel some type of way about Elvis that I won't get into. Like, there's just some things I was just like I grew up with, and I was just like, oh, damn, fuck, and it just kind of took the shine off of the thing, and... And I don't even, again, I, I don't have, I don't believe in heroes. There's people I admire, but if those people that I admire fucked up, I'm like, oh, bitch, you're going down. Like, if, if you really did it, it's like Frankie. I love Frankie Shaw. I love her work. I've been behind her. And I feel like I need to go off and, like, learn more about what happened because she's doing stuff to people in our industry. She's doing stuff to people. We consider ourselves a family in a way in production. Mm-hmm. And if she's mistreating people, I kind of I'm going to feel some type of way about that for sure, because then you're like until you go away and you get your head right. And again, if we started policing people in this industry, it would never stop. And I think that's what's kind of happening now. I feel like the generation that's coming up, they're like, you can't be a douchebag and be on set. You can't be a dick and be on set. You can't be all this old shit that you got away with. I love it. I love that people are like, you can't just come on here and just. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, and like it, it puts people yeah. in danger, and it's unprofessional. And I think it's kind of fine as long as we don't go to this crazy other direction, crazy extreme. Yeah, and then it's like, 
Well, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Ian, what he said, that it's important that we're having the social discourse because it's, it's making people re-examine their personal biases. It sure has for me. Like, yeah. like I mean, like, it's... And, it, and again, it's it's the, the other side of it is like, oh, well, they're dead. They've long been dead. Like, it's kind of like how I go into, like my school and i'm like i'm not like a huge fan of uh bach i don't think he was that great of a, i'm I, I don't believe i'm just like making this up like i don't i think all beethoven symphonies are not great they all kind of sound the same what i would say is blasphemy and they burn me at the stake <laughs> but, yeah. but like it's like when it's it's the older something is it's, it's hard it's harder for for some people to, to reconcile it with and even you know mj yeah dead 10 years now but he's been in the american culture since the 1960s essentially yeah so it's up to you <laughs> is what we're getting re-examine your personal biases and make a decision yeah i just wanted to talk about it because i feel like in these conversations about these things with people who are not just going to double down on their position like what i'm seeing a lot well this is twitter for you right it's like i love mj he didn't do it eat a dick die yeah. Poor choice of words, but you know what I'm saying. Well, it's kind and of then like, the other yeah. side is like, oh my God, I can never listen to it. I don't know who's like more shrill and annoying <laughs> on either side of this argument. So I just don't go in there. I mean, I feel like Twitter has always been a really shouty hipster bar <laughs> where just everybody's trying to be cool while they just be the nastiest, shittiest version of themselves. So I really don't turn to Twitter for any kind of take on anything. I don't really read comments. I kind of sit with my own thoughts and go, okay, this is kind of how I'm reacting to this. And I may be landing on the wrong thing. I just don't need to be informed by shouty, screamy people hashtagging the shit out of everything and wishing people to die. It's also, you know, unless you want to say it to my face, I just feel like this anonymous kind of hate mongering is not doing anybody any good. Um. So why even participate in it, I guess? I just don't do it. I think it's just healthier if you don't. But, I mean, I'm sure people... I have friends who just live on Twitter. And they just love to... to they just love the high from like, Oh my God, did you see what happened on Twitter? I'm like, I did yeah, not. Uh, I did not. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I'm like, I feel none of these things you're feeling because I was not in the shouty room. I was over here like playing video games on the couch with my husband and having wine in a calm space <laughs> and forming my own opinions. But I'm not judging anybody who doesn't, you know, you're going to pry MJ out of my cold, dead hands. I'm like, I get you. I feel you. I see you. But R. Kelly, though, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I have to, I have to admit, I never really paid attention to R. Kelly I didn't even know that he did I Believe I Can Fly. I didn't know that. I've never even heard the song Ignition until I watched um, the um, the docuseries. I, I swear to God, I'd never heard Ignition. Yeah. I've never heard any. I don't really listen to a whole lot of music. That's what my problem is. I mean, my music stops at like 1996. So if it, <laughs> if it happened after that, I probably didn't hear it. I just was on the road and very, very busy for a lot of those years and just didn't touch ground until maybe, what, eight years ago, nine years ago. So I didn't really hear a lot of music, and I'm not a big music consumer. Like, I'm listening to a lot of scores now because I'm friends with you, and I'm listening to that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there's problematic 
stuff there too. I mean, Wagner, I knew about, I knew about a couple of these other dudes too. It's like, Oh shit. Oh crap. Well now I'm on hold really mad because this guy's a racist and I'm on my, you know, my, I'm waiting to sort out my water bill and you're pissing me off with your Vivaldi or whatever the hell's going on. So I don't know. Um, I just didn't know. And then and this guy then doesn't help his cause because SNL got a hold of him. And uh, Keenan and uh, Leslie did their opening with Gail King and R. Kelly. I mean, the dude just just not helping himself, just screaming and yelling in the streets. I don't know what you do with that. I feel I feel kind of bad for R. Kelly fans right now because that's kind of in your face, undeniable. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so my prayers go with you uh, for that. Anything else we want to talk about? Anything fun? <laughs> uh, well, the Game of Thrones trailer came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, woo. see, I'm so glad that you're, you're caught up with us and you're right here with us. And it's so awesome. I, yes. And I still can't believe that I'm going to be there to watch the last episode with you guys. When we figured it, that out. It lined up so perfectly. We had no idea. That you yeah, were going to like, watch wait. Game of Thrones. <laughs> this is before you started watching Game of Thrones. You booked the flight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you hadn't even watched like episode one, I don't think. Mm-mm. And then we started, you, or you're, you're texting me one night. He goes, do you realize that I am going to be there when the finale airs? And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. We're going to have to have like a really chill day. Yeah. You know, eat some healthy food Ian, because like, stresses when that out. shit comes on, it's going to be like, <laughs> nah! He literally, I get a little stressed out. I feel like I have to kind of keep an eye on Ian. I feel like he's going to stroke out oh, one day. Man. He got his, his blood pressure got raised by watching the trailer. Yeah, I just like, because I was, I was working and I couldn't, I mean, I had, I had a chance to watch some of it. I didn't want to play it too loud. I was just standing there waiting. And I just saw the opening part with Arya running around. And I was like, oh, you freaked out. <laughs> what can scare Arya at I'm this like, point? Yeah. Say nobody. If see, she's scared. Something fucked up is happening. And you know it's going yeah. to be White Walker. She ain't afraid of Cersei. She ain't afraid of nobody. She sees the dragons in the sky and she's smiling. She's like, hey, sky lizards. Yeah. Hello. I'm, that, so. that battle of Winterfell, everyone keeps talking about how it's like the <laughs> longest like sequential battle scene in any like medium ever. ever. Yeah. And it's only episode three. I'm like, right. I thought that was going to be the finale. I thought that was the finale. I thought that's, that's not where even your we were heading. Yeah. Um, All these like, people are like, What's you should see this war like? movie that they're making. And like Game of Thrones is like, oh, hold my summer ale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bitch. So that, if, if that's just episode three, so that means a whole bunch of shit happens after that. I don't even know. Like, what's going to happen? I, I, my, my theory is mm. that when, when Cersei was essentially like we said we're gonna help him but we're not um they're gonna realize that she never came to help and they're gonna lay siege on her and that's gonna be it i think that every way possible we can think that how cersei is going to die is not going to even remotely be that but i do go back to those old uh teasers and promos with danny walking through uh, the throne room and the roof is missing and it's snowing. She sees it in the vision as well. She goes up to the throne and she touches it and there's snow. But I never really saw that as snow. I saw that as ash. Mm, yeah. So 
So I feel like it's going to be something almost anticlimactic with a twist. Like I feel, I feel like flea I, bottom. I feel like flea bottom is going to erupt, and they're going to be sick of her shit. And I think when Jamie uh, is discovered to have left the kingdom, there's going to be a lot of soldiers that are going to leave or get mowed down by something or whatever. But I think Flea Bottom's going to get overrun by its people. So they def- they, they defeat the Night King in the north. They did in the past, but it took ten years, and it wasn't even the same. Um, amount of army. I forget like the, how that old that previous war went down. The old Nan talks about it a lot in the books. She gives you all the the four one one on the original battle because there's been a battle like this before. So I don't know if how this is going to mirror that, but it's going to be something that none of us have thought of because that's what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, totally. No, I I think. See, that, like, like, even now I'm getting I, upset. I think whoever's going <laughs> to sit on the Iron Throne doesn't matter. Oh, there is no Iron Throne. I think the Iron Throne is bullshit. I th- yeah. I think that's that's where we're heading, honestly. I think people over in Essos are like, it's our time to just, I wonder if, I wonder if George R. R. Martin is writing an episode. Because doesn't he do an episode, like one episode a season? He normally, he has a hand in, I think, a lot of uh, consulting in all of these episodes. I feel like he doesn't... I don't know how many of them he wrote, but I know he consulted on those last six. Yeah, I'm he said sure. he 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 wrote like one episode a season. Oh, there you go. Um, but this was an, an interview from like two years ago or something. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure all bets are off. I mean, again, can we can we also feel sorry for George? He's trying to finish Winds of Winter, and then the other <laughs> there's like two more books he owes the series, right? And now yeah. the series has caught up and surpassed where he is. Yeah, it's like what a Winds I, of Winter and a Dream I'm of just, Spring or I something like that. I just think about that. I think about that all the time. I think about like imagining like an adaptation of something I wrote going beyond me and living yeah. beyond me, and I'm just like, how do I finish my book now? No, see, <laughs> like, I'm taking a because he said in this. an interview. He said in an interview, like I tried to keep up with the show, and then when I realized that I couldn't, I sort of had to, I had to recalibrate. I had to, I had to figure out what to do. He like, probably went out to his... I see him going out to the pool and behind his house in his little shrimp swim trunks. I think they have dragons on them in my mind. I'm making that up. And he has his hat on. And he's got suspenders. And he's got his... He's got like a Mai Tai or a, <laughs> With a, little a margarita. <laughs> umbrella. And he's got... Yeah, the umbrella. And he just sadly goes out to his pool and just floats around it and is like... Fuck. <laughs> I just feel like that's what's happening to George. And here's the thing. Pro tip. I hope I have this problem in the future. Please let me have this problem in the future. I realize I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I hope I'm going to write some books that are that popular. And then see people come along and they want to adapt them. I'm be like, bitch, let me finish all these books. And then you can start the series. I am not going to get Game of Thrones. I am not going to let you do that to me. <laughs> yeah. Finish all these damn books. And then y'all can make some shit out of it. Fine. I'm going to be like, boo, get that money first. Just get the money. <laughs> get the money. <laughs> and then I'll retcon everything that I wrote <laughs> in blog posts on LiveJournal. Uh <laughs> No, he, at least he doesn't do that. So you're reading the book still? Yeah, yeah. I I haven't been able to for the past couple of days because it's it's been crazy. Yeah. Um, but I do and, and get intend to get to it uh, this week along with other things, of course. Uh, no, I I was listening to the the interview with him and Stephen King. That was really interesting. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I love what he what he said about you know like Stephen King talking about how he gets so many books out so fast. 
Uh, <laughs> and George R. R. Martin's like, you, you get six pages every day? Like, nothing, you always yeah. get six pages? And he's like, listen, I work three to four hours every day. I try to get six pages done. And, you know, if it's three 360-page book, I'm done in... Like what do you what like do you two say? months or something like that? So six pages a day, yeah, something crazy like that. And then George um, is like, "Do you not ever just write a sentence and then erase it and then write a sentence and then <laughs> go off and wonder if maybe you should have been a plumber or something to this?" Effect? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. I especially loved what he said about how he, how not um, like letting your kids uh consume anything they want can help with creativity because it's kind of what happened to me is because my parents never ever really cared about like what i watched um yeah, me too. or what i consumed like i think the only time they put their foot down was when it was like i want to watch passion of the christ and they were like you're nine uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well if you were from the south they'd be insisting that you watch it but okay cool um but no i it was it was just a really really fun interesting interview yeah, um, that's how Uncle Stevie grew up, and I was the same way. I was a latchkey kid, you know. My, my essentially, my mom raised us. You know, my dad was gone a lot, and and my mom, you know, didn't have time, and we just we were not kept from anything. And your mind grows from that. And uh, yeah. I'm sure there's some helicopter parents out there right now who are like, "Shut up!" <laughs> no, that is not true. But we were just, yeah. I, that's why I think I relate to to Stephen King so much, is because I. I really like the way his mind works. But at the same time, I tried to write my book the way Stephen King would write. And I ended up like writing the way George Martin writes. Kind of like I would write that first paragraph and go, I really don't even know if I should be doing this. I'm just I'm terrible. I should. What else can I do? Data entry sounds good. Oh, no. And laying in the corner and having all kinds of moments. So, yeah. Because you look to the people that you love their work to like inspire you the same thing with probably yeah. what you do like you look to people and go all right who out there is is doing this well okay i feel like we've been going on long enough it's been an emotional roller coaster i feel like i need a nap um but i'm glad we guys talked about this i appreciate us like taking it on and not being afraid and shying away from it and i don't think anybody on here is trying to be right i don't think anybody is uh, necessarily right or wrong i just feel like i'm glad we talked about it and yeah and you know, took that on board. You know, so I'm talking about the Game of Thrones trailer. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we'll be back uh, next week uh, with uh, something. I'm sure something awesome. And maybe by the end, we'll have seen the rest of the Gotham episodes, and I'll know what the hell's going on <laughs> and why someone has a dog and its name is Ed. Uh, I'm so confused right now. So uh, you guys have a good week and take care of yourselves and get a lot of rest and hydrate and uh, all that good stuff. How about you guys? You going to be good? You're on spring break. You're yeah. working uh, this week. I'm looking for work. Looking for work. Somebody please hire Ian. Trying to get that cheddar. Uh, he needs some. He needs some paper. Our dog needs some shoes. Bills. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> please hire him. And then I've got some work this week for a client, so that's going to be super fun times. And uh, yeah. I don't even want to talk about the book right now. I'm going to jinx it. But uh, (laughs) we will talk to you guys soon. And uh, just have a good week. Bye, guys. Bye. (sighs)